Keep Rayman Digital on the air by pledging to our Patreon page. In order for us to continue to put out professional live broadcasts and podcast episodes, we need the support of our listeners. So go to patreon.com slash Digital to pledge $1 to $10 a month and keep us on the air. Blimey. This is one out of a jam guy you got here. It's House of Mystery contains demons, angels, elementals, magicians, wizards, apparitions, adult language, and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not enter the House of Mystery. All right, then. On the show. All right, hello. Welcome, everyone, to House of Mystery, the John Constantine and Friends podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome. Hello. Enter, if you dare. Never mind the bones on the ground and the dirty panties. <laughs> they are mine. Welcome to this house of sin. Yes. All right. Hello, David. How are you? How's it going? All right. So we have a very fun topic to discuss today. We're going to be continuing our, I guess, our look into the Phantom Stranger, a two-part series so far. It may be a three-part. I'm not sure. It may be a, I may want to get into that short film. That DC showcase that just dropped a couple months ago. That one was actually pretty decent. Yeah, so we might put that on the schedule. Not sure. There's a lot to cover, and I don't know if our schedule permits us to do a third show on the Phantom Stranger, but maybe we'll figure it out. Maybe we'll uh, flip a coin, a Judas coin, a Judas coin, <laughs> a silver I see piece. What you did there? <laughs> yeah, the, that entire opening thirty seconds was all about saying that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so today we're going to be talking about Vertigo Visions, The Phantom Stranger, the 1993 one-shot, and Good God in Heaven. What a fucking comic book. Oh, yeah. This was actually one of the first Vertigo titles I ever bought. Really? Back in 1993, because like... David, how old? You should not have been reading this in 1993. You got to remember, I was a little kid who grew up in a comic book shop. Jesus Christ, dude. If I had read this in 1993, I would have been crying. I remember it gave me nightmares. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) Dude, it's demented as fuck. (laughs) Oh, man. And the best part by far is looking back at it now, imagery-wise, there's nothing really horrific. It's just the ideas Dude, that get Im- placed in your head. There's a lot of things that are implied, man. Oh, yeah. 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 And that was the beauties of Vertigo. They said, okay, we're going to use the power of implication. Yeah. All right. So the synopsis, old age can be its own kind of hell. Just ask the tormented residents of the Paradise Gardens retirement home. Thank God we're not that. Loneliness can be worse than purgatory. Just ask Naomi, a young woman working her first night shift at the home. But all that is about to change because tonight is the night Naomi is going to meet a stranger. (laughs) If it sounds perverse, it probably should. It does. Tonight's the night Naomi meets a stranger. But dude, this is this is classic. This is what made classic storytelling for the Phantom Stranger. Oh, yeah. No, I don't have a problem with it. I love it. This is 100% the Phantom Stranger. In oh, yeah. our previous discussion, we kind of went through the issues we had with the New 52 version of the Phantom Stranger. But this one here is a perfect representation of the Phantom Stranger. Yes. This was an amazing comic book, artistically pleasing, intelligent, truly mesmerizing in just about every way. 
dark, mysterious, a true phantom stranger type story. And yes, the stranger wasn't the main protagonist. Yeah. He wasn't. He was more of a supporting character in this story. It was fitting and it worked for the purpose of this story. They managed to take. You can tell. Let me backtrack. You can tell that Elisa Quitney, the writer of this comic, you can tell that she understood the Phantom Stranger. Either yes. A, she was a fan prior to writing the Phantom Stranger, Dark Visions, or Vertigo Visions, or she did her fucking homework did like a homework. writer should do. Yep. It was so good. I mean, using the divine comedy known as Dante's Inferno to craft an elegant narrative with plenty of plot twists that will blow your mind. Because even though I pretty much figured out what's going on, I want to say maybe 15 pages in. I figured out I got the gist of <laughs> got it. the gist of it. But the ending, I was like, holy fuck. I didn't see that coming. Now, be honest, Dave. Oh, wait a second. You were a kid, though, and you read this, so yeah. it's hard to remember. Well, actually, I do, this is one of the comics that stick out because beforehand, I grew up reading the original Phantom Stranger comics. Okay. So, oh, the, the ones that were more friendly? Yeah, the more okay, friendly yeah. ones, the ones that were made in the 70s and 80s. Mm -hmm. And, like, coming from that, and then imagine a kid seeing, hey, Phantom Stranger, he's back. Oh, sweet. It's 1993. Hey, Bob. I Bob, Dad, can you please buy me Phantom Stranger? It's going to be such a sweet story. Oh, my God. Rape <laughs> and hell, hell. spot. Oh. oh, yeah. Because, like, you got to remember, this was a really cool transition from the Phantom Stranger in the 70s and 80s, where it was, like, more detective film noir. You had, you know, like, the Phantom Stranger trying to solve mysteries, right? And then you get this story. Dude. I remember, so I remember good. as a kid opening it and saying, hey, who's this Naomi character? Where's the stranger? Stranger usually actually opens up with a narration. Right. And then when you, when I was a kid, I remember getting to the the reveal of who uh, who's the phantom stranger. Yeah. And like, going, that was cool, but. And now I'm and now I'm scarred for life because I had to get go through a ton of deep deep reading because Jeez, during this so time much, yeah. this is 1993. Well, this is I'm a freshman in high school at this point. So oh wow, imagine that! Like I haven't even been able to drive yet. You haven't. You probably haven't even had sex yet. And you're no, all, yet. No, you're no, already no, watching. No. <laughs> not even that. And then suddenly I read. A comic yeah. based around one of my favorite characters at that time. And you're talking about hell. You're talking about. And, and also on top of that, I'm a kid going to going to uh, Catholic school. Okay. You have a demon that wants to get right back into his mother's womb. Who you're then becomes a baby and tries to strangle his mother. Was it an unbiblical yeah, card? You're dealing with like uh, stuff like abortion. Dude, it. Freshman in Catholic school. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> at the end, I remember this particular I'm comic. sure you do. It was That's probably why was, hard to forget, Dave. I'm I sure was, you do remember. I was all gung-ho covering this because this is one of the issues that really kind of formed my, my, my fragile mind. Now, Dave, I'll be honest. I did not ever read this. In fact, I didn't hear of this until about a year ago, and it's been on my reading list. 
I don't know why. I don't know if it just didn't get enough mainstream appeal or mainstream, I should say, mainstream recognition. I mean, yes, I was reading. uh, I believe I was reading Hellblazer. When did I start reading Hellblazer? I want to say 96. So, yeah, that's probably why this wasn't on my radar. My mother did not let me read these types of things. And she was a stickler. She would watch what I was looking at. The only time she didn't know was when I found a clever way to read my Vampirilla, you know, in the comic book shop, the ones without the plastic covers, the plastic covers. Like, Hey, what are you reading? I'm like, something about what's wonder woman. Mom is wonder woman. <laughs> it's wonder woman. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> but like, so yeah, I ne- I've never read this. Didn't hear about it. Um, it. It did seem familiar. Vertigo visions did ring a bell. Like I'm like, okay, I heard of that title. But I never sat down to read these. So I was completely just consumed with the story, being able to read this for the first time. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell as a metaphor and using it figuratively is a task for many writers and many that attempt it cannot do it. And to be honest, it's also a bit tired. A lot of writers do it too much. But when you see something like this written in 1993, 93. it shows you how great, how a great story can stand, uh, can stand the test of time uh-huh. and how, yes, this probably wasn't a tired trope in 1993, but it goes to show you, you write something solid in 1993 and it's going to hold up and not feel tired and old, even if between 93 and 2020, 20. We've had so many countless stories using Dante's Inferno and hell as a metaphor. And yet it still feels in 2020, it still feels fresh and unique. Yeah, it still feels fresh. It feels smart. And when we when we decided to cover this issue, I actually pulled out my one issue from my collection, which is fantastic because I haven't read it in years and then I was like, going, hey, this is one of my first comics I ever have in my collection. Pulled it out. And to this day, it still resonates so well because, like, the writing is just on par. It made me want to actually, when I reread it, I wanted to go, whatever happened to, uh, uh, I forgot, I forget her name Alisa now. Alisa Quitney. Alisa Quitney. I know. Because you don't hear her name. And, and she did a fantastic job. Dave, I've never issue. heard of her. I've never heard of her. And... After reading this, I looked her up. I'm like, how the fuck have I not heard of this woman? She is fantastic. So she's now on my list. I'm going to go back and try to find things that she has written and read them because this is truly a treat to read. Oh, absolutely. Because like she was able to take a character and not make the character who all fans everywhere wanted the Phantom Stranger, but instead it's the story of Naomi. That you're listening, who turns out to be a different person <laughs> that ties to the Phantom Stranger. And essentially, you're getting in this in this one particular issue, you're getting a little behind uh, a look behind the scenes of the character. Mm-hmm. Like this, I think this was the first uh, one of the first many times when we delve into the history of the phantom stranger where he says, Oh, I have this connection with this person. This is why I did this because he's connected to Naomi in a certain way. And when you get there, you're like, wow, the stranger's old. The stranger is like this old being. And then coming from like 
my 1993 former self, you're talking about a, uh, uh, a fan who read the issues of the Phantom Stranger in the 70s and 80s where you didn't touch on stuff like this. Yeah. <laughs> no, not even close. I mean, the closest thing is probably murder and violence. That's it. Yeah. Here, you're dealing with, like, sins of sex, abortion, just like what well, also to. sins of the mother, sins, sins of, the, of father, the father, damning the child. I mean, dude, it's so dark. <laughs> it's so dark. Let's let's slow down just a bit and yes. and get into it officially. The synopsis, the official synopsis for the, the title story isn't Vertigo Visions, Phantom Stranger. The actual title of the story is Gerenition. Uh Naomi Walker begins her first night as a custodian at the Paradise Gardens retirement home. An orderly named Ash welcomes her inside the dilapidated building and offers to show her around. The patients are kept in poor health under the most unsanitary conditions one can imagine. But despite all of that, there's only one patient that Ash warns her against, the Phantom Stranger. Stranger. But that's a bit of a spoiler. I'm surprised they would put that in the synopsis there because you're not meant to know. You're not. In fact, you don't even know he's the Phantom Stranger until... I would even say you've they've never once stated it. The only reason why we know it's the Phantom Stranger is because the title of this comic is Vertical Visions Phantom Stranger. They never once say Phantom Stranger. They call him a stranger a couple times, and that is it. I have, love when they do stories like that yeah. because it feels grounded. It's not about giving your superhero a name. It just feels more conducive with the real world. And that's why this is creepy and feels like a horror film because yes. it's more grounded. It feels like this is something that can happen in our life that we can accidentally stumble through stumble the doors through. of a gateway to hell yeah. or a prison of hell of a certain level. So it, it's crazy how they did this. Now, before we move into the actual narrative here, just for a little bit of context on the title, Gerenition is a poem. So I'm assuming the writer Elisa had used this as a bit of inspiration. It was a poem by T.S. Eliot that was first published in 1920. The title is Greek for the little old man. Which right there makes sense. Yes. And the poem is a dramatic monologue relating the opinions and impressions of an elderly man which describes Europe after World War I through the eyes of a man who has lived the majority of his life in the 19th century. So there's your little source of inspiration there. And Gerenition discusses themes of religion, sexuality, and other general topics of modernist poetry. Poetry, yep. So she's an intellectual. Elisa Quitney is an intellectual. That's why this story is written so fucking well. <laughs> well... She's using a goddamn poem as her source of inspiration, along with one of the greatest poems of all time, the Divine Comedy, Dante's Inferno. Dante's Inferno. Because she's, dude. Uh, and wrapping it. Give up, me a photo of her. She hot. If she's hot. I'm gonna stalk her. And wrapping it. All David, up, don't don't ignore my 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 love letters. <laughs> I'm gonna write. Please. We don't want actually. You know. I don't know if you would get hate mail, but <laughs> well, she was writing in 1993. She might be a little old now, huh? Maybe. Uh, well, it's all right. Okay. You know, elderly people need loving, too. Oh. I might have to go find her in a retirement home. Oh. What's up, ladies? You could be, you could be like Ash. Yeah, I'll be like, Ash, what's up? What's up? I'm going to try to enter your womb. Come here. <laughs> oh. 
Jesus. All right. What were you going to say, Dave? I'm sorry. <laughs> I well, lost my train of okay. thought because of Ash. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, dude, that character of Ash was so cringy. Dude, he was getting. Yeah, he's he's disgusting. He's disgusting. Yeah. You knew for a fact he was the villain from the very beginning. And that's why I like. Oh, the, the one thing that I was going to mention was the one thing I really appreciated was you knew who the villain was, Ash. You knew who the main character was, was Naomi. But all the time, we never really got to see where's the Phantom Stranger in all of this. I really like that. But you have like allusions to him, like when she turns on the radio and then Stranger in Paradise plays. And you have like these little nods, like basically, okay, the Stranger's around. You know this. Because they're making allusions to his presence is there because there's even moments that you have to look for. There are moments where his shadow is in the background, in the background, even if they're not trying to draw attention to it. There'll be a panel. And the focus is Naomi or someone else. But if you look in the background, you'll see a shadow of the classic Phantom Stranger silhouette. You'll see the hat. I'm like, God, this is so good. You just see his presence around. (laughs) And then when you connect it to the poem she's telling about an old man witnessing the world after World War One, it fits so much of what the Phant- who the Phantom Stranger is. Oh, yeah. He's this watcher of the DC universe yep. that watches everything happen. Yeah. And he, <laughs> the fact that in that poem, he relays stories, right? Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, imagine the stories that a man has like the Phantom Stranger who has literally seen Everything from essentially the dawn of time at this point when you take into account his origin story. Yeah. So there is just so much going on in this comic within the subtext. I'm truly surprised more people don't talk about this specific title when people are talking Vertigo, talking Phantom Stranger, talking, you know, John Constantine, talking Trenchcoat Brigade. This comic does not come up that often, and maybe because it's a one-shot, how many people really remember one-shots in the grand scheme of things? Oh, very rarely. It's it's a forgotten gem. It's so fantastic how they use this story as a sense of, I guess you can say a sense of, or a way to, you know what, Let let me rephrase this. It's an expression of sin, the price that comes with sin, and where you go from there. And remembering that this is fashioned a bit like Dante's Inferno as an allegory, which represents the journey of the soul toward God with Inferno describing the recognition and rejection of sin. We can begin to see how the story works in parallel with that. Now, at this time in DC Vertigo, whatever you want to call it, I don't want to get all bogged down with continuity right now. But take into account the continuity at that time in 1993. The thing that we know of when it comes to the Phantom Stranger, we know that he was a fallen angel who sided with neither heaven nor hell during Satan's rebellion. And that's why he was condemned to walk the earth alone for all time. Now, the reason why I bring that up is a to connect our this episode discussion to our previous on the new 52 where the phantom strangers origin story was restructured and he was essentially Judas Iscariot. Yes. Well now at this time in DC continuity on the vertigo side of things, he was in fact 
a fallen angel. And if memory serves me correct, Dave, if memory, I could have said that word for some reason, if memory serves me correct, Alan Moore was the original writer to flesh out that idea, correct? I believe so, yes. Sorry. Okay. So essentially, you have Elisa Quitney building upon Alan Moore's fallen angel story mm-hmm. and adds the story of the woman, Naomi, who was condemned to hell for loving an angel, essentially lying down with an angel, having sexual relations, relations with, an angel. with an angel. So you do, they never specifically state that a, this character, the patient, the old man is the phantom stranger and B, they never officially state this old man is the fallen angel. Mm-hmm. You have to pay attention. You have to read and really try to grasp what's being said. Yeah, you have to really pay attention to the dialogue. Because they don't the spell end. things out to you. Like, this isn't written for a dumb audience. And I'm not saying that to insult people. I'm just saying this is this is a... Oh, this is essentially like reading a book. It's just like when you read a book and you're reading through those words. And if you're not paying attention, you're like, fuck, how did we get here? Let me go back and read two pages. You know, the previous two pages, which that does happen to me sometimes because my mind drifts. Yeah. So you have cannot do that when you read this. Otherwise, you will miss portions of the story. And when the comic book ends, you're going to be scratching your head and not knowing what happened because they do not spell things out for you. They, there's a lot of implications. They imply a lot, but they do not state things. But I loved the fallen angel aspect. It is my personal favorite origin story for the Phantom Stranger. I know you had said during our last discussion, David, that the Phantom Stranger at this time, or at least up to now, has four to six different origin <laughs> stories. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but for me personally, out of the ones that I've heard, the fallen angel origin story is my favorite. It is mine too. I mean, like when it comes to the origins of the origin of the Phantom Stranger, everyone has their favorite. If you're a fan of the Phantom Stranger, you mm-hmm. kind of have your favorite. My personal one is the Fallen Angel aspect because, especially after reading this particular issue, it changed the way I looked at the Phantom Stranger from a detective. Because mm-hmm. you got to remember beforehand, he's seen kind of like this film noir detective. I'm going to solve mysteries a la Batman. And then you get to this and suddenly there's more depth to the character. You know, my favorite line that I remember as a child or as a kid, I'm not going to say I was a child when I read this (laughs) and when I was a kid and you get to the very end and the one line where she says, I know you have to travel. Your travels have to end sometime. Yeah. And I'm like going this the Phantom Stranger travels everywhere. He's like constantly traveling. Why I, is he constantly traveling? I love that story, <laughs> that uh, trope. I don't want to call it a trope, uh, that archetype um, of the the Wanderer. The Wanderer. Uh, the, it's, I know this sounds silly, but it's the Quantum Leap. It's the Michael Knight. Yes. It's the man that can't rest, that his job, his mission never ends. Never ends. And then like when... I remember when I first saw that, it made so much sense to me as a Phantom Stranger fan that reading the 70s and 80s, why was it that we always had stories where the stranger was constantly jumping and narrating from case to case to case to case to case? And suddenly in this one issue, you suddenly see he's hinted as to be an angel and a constant wandering traveler. 
and it's all of a sudden it all clicks together, and that's why that particular origin fits so much perfectly for me. Yeah, I agree. As yeah. a fan, compared to the other ones, like you know, a being caught in a time loop, <laughs> and that that's kind of cool. Yeah, but like that's more quantum leap <laughs> right? Yeah. than anything else. And, and, but making him a fallen angel and then doing all these allusions to in the DC universe, there's heaven and hell demons are everywhere. And like, no one sees them. Only particular characters deal with these. It made it so much cool. And it added depth to the phantom stranger at that point and made him a perfect character for vertigo at that time. Because you got to remember that during Vertigo, you didn't really have a Phantom Stranger comic per se. You had him jumping from title to title. Yeah. And every single title kind of portrayed him as like this really powerful being that no one messes with. And the only person that does mess with him is Constantine because Constantine makes bargains that he can't keep. And he's part of the trench coat brigade. And that made sense. But no one would ever mess with the Phantom Stranger. Whatever he says goes. If someone has to do something, if Tim has to do something, all the other, the thing that I always point out, do you notice that all the trench coat brigade, when the Phantom Stranger says Tim has to do this, they all three look at each other and go, okay, even though Constantine might begrudgingly say, I'm going to kill him if, it, if something happens, he still listens to the Phantom Stranger. Yeah. He's essentially the leader yeah. of, the, of the trench coat He's brigade. The leader. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I will say that, and we're going to get into this part too, like his backstory is very interpretive. And when you really take a look at what Lisa was saying with this character, you begin to possibly get the idea or the notion that this isn't the Phantom Stranger we've seen in the Trenchcoat Brigade. This yes. isn't the Phantom Stranger from the Books of Magic. This is, I don't want to call it an Elseworlds. That's like the go-to that a lot of people say now when something's not specifically a part of the immediate continuity. Uh, but this is a one-shot, and I yes. don't think it's meant to necessarily interact with the rest of the world. And I'm sure if there's any listeners out there that know everything, I know there's a few listeners that, correct us here and there and a few things um just like kind of little things like this whether or not this is considered continuity, continuity with something else is it a sequel to something is it a prequel to something what follows it but you get the idea that this isn't quite the same phantom stranger the one that we have seen had seen in the books of magic yeah or the trench coat brigade six seven years later there's a lot of connections to the non-canon compliant books of the Bible. Yes. Let's go down this route here. Okay. This is what really makes this comic book special, in my opinion. Again, the continuity for the Vertigo Visions Phantom Stranger is a little elusive. And once we break down the inspirations for this character outside of the Dante's Inferno, which is what she used, Elisa used as a bit of a, uh, inspirations for a backdrop for a story to govern her story as a, essentially as a foundation. But when it comes to the character, the Phantom Stranger, there are deeper connections when it comes to biblical lore, uh, more specifically the Dead Sea Scrolls. In the Book of Enoch, the Watchers are angels <laughs> dispatched to Earth to watch over humans. Yep. 
soon began to lust for women, for human women, and at the prodding of their leader, they began to torment humanity, and they procreate with the women. The offspring of these unions are Nephilim, and depending on what stories you read, which scriptures you read, the Nephilim were either damned or they became demons, which are essentially the same thing. Once the flood came, okay? So, using that as a way to recontextualize the Phantom Stranger, now that we can say, hey, he could possibly be a watcher, which if he's a fallen angel who was punished for having relations with a woman, because there are allusions to rape and non-consent, that is debatable. There are moments where you get the idea that it was a bad memory when Naomi and the Phantom Stranger had sex. You get the idea that it was a bad memory. It was a repressed memory. It was a repressed memory. So you're not quite sure whether or not it was forced upon her or not. But does it matter what scenario you go with? The point is the stranger deceives Naomi to sleep with him and they have a kid who straight up became a demon mm-hmm. or it seemed to have hinted at Naomi's shame and she might have ended the pregnancy on her own. So we're not quite we're not sure, sure if he was born a demon because the spawn of an angel and a human or if she and her great sin killed the child on her own, which I got that I got that she had shame that she had ended her own pregnancy. Is that what you got as well? I did too, sport toward the very end, especially with the fact that the, the, the demon in question, Ash constantly wanted to return to the womb, to the womb. He wanted to, there was guilt on Naomi's part. Yes. He wanted to reconnect with his mother. And like, you get to that moment where the stranger severs the connection and says, no, it ends here. And and perhaps he's the one who aborted the baby. It could be. And that's the thing. The, the total ending is you could take it to many interpretations, but either way, it kind of portrays the, this is the ultimate sin of the phantom stranger and why he constantly is traveling. Right. That's, why this is his punishment. Yeah. That's what I got. I got that. Yes, let's reiterate, it is very interpretive, and that's why I loved the comic, because it's very interpretive. But as you said, either way, Naomi had sinned because she was tasked with being a keeper of one of the hells, right, which is the retirement home. The same hell that the Phantom Stranger had been imprisoned, or as they call it to fit the metaphor of a retirement home, a patient, but it would seem that this was his punishment for the part he had played played. in deceiving Naomi and sleeping with a human. Mm -hmm. And he was ripped from his angelic vessel or his soul and cast into this hell that this was his punishment. And if you go with that line of thinking, David, if this is his origin story, the fact that he lied down with a human woman and had a hell spawn, then there's no way this could be the Phantom Stranger that we know from the Books of Magic and prior. 
because that would mean he was in prison this whole time. That's the that's where it gets a little interesting because then you start asking questions. This is his origin and he's in prison this whole time. You also have to throw in the fact that one of the Phantom Strangers powers is the fact that he can jump from time any time. He can go from the past to the present to the future. Right. So if this was his origin, you have to actually wrap your head around the fact that it can still be the Phantom Stranger. That doesn't mean he can't be in the past. Exactly. Because his powers ultimately, especially if it is since it's it has been, you know, if you could go on the DC uh side where they give all the character powers and everything else, one of Phantom Stranger's powers is the ability to break time, which he can travel from the past to the present to the future. It's not explained why he can, but like the fact that he can, you could still say, okay, this is his origin. He was locked away for this time. And everything after this is what you see, say from the seventies and eighties comics. That's true. (laughs) And that's why yet again, another reason why I love this comic, because this could be, a valid origin story. It is. In fact, Dave, you know, being a writer and being a television script writer myself, knowing how to write, my mind spins with the possibilities. This could essentially be the first season of a Phantom Stranger TV show. Or yeah. better yet, a Phantom Stranger movie. It's a little too low key for today's audiences, so that's why I say more like a TV show on HBO or Cinemax or Showtime. I don't think a movie like this would work with what audiences expect from comic book movies nowadays. No, I think a series would do it just. Can you imagine breaking this down into like an eight part, 10 part TV series? It would totally work, Dave. It would totally work. Yeah. And this would just be the start. You use Elisa Quitney's one shot as just the template the first episode. As the, no, no the I'd, say the, I'd say the first season, Dave. First season? I think you, there's so much going on in these, what, 57 pages? Yeah, and also give that a lot of props to that. I love comic books back then because you had 50 plus pages of story. 50 pages of story, and there are so many things you can do. You can start with Naomi and her, you know, you can get all metaphorical with it you can see her driving to this place you can see her wake up from uh someplace and not really know how she got someplace and then suddenly she's oh i have to go to this retirement home i got a job here there are so many things you can do with this story to stretch out the time you can start with the fallen angel aspect and the 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 rape or the love making scene however you want to look at it uh that started all of this. You can start there. Yeah. Don't give away who your players are, but you can choose the right camera angles, right at the, the certain way to where you hide who the players are. But this could easily be a first season for a TV show. That's what I was thinking the entire time I'm reading this. I'm just like, fuck dude, we have all <laughs> these horrible TV shows nowadays on TV. Yes, we do. We're not in the golden age. There's too much TV, which means a lot of garbage. A lot of garbage. And I'm like, this is what people should be adapting. This thing right here would be an amazing piece of television. Especially when you take into account, we're only talking about the Phantom Stranger, the character of Naomi, and Ash. But we have not even touched 
on the residence no. of the you of can, the you can <laughs> go retirement you, home. You can do character episodes like where you where you, you where you episodes. then go into certain characters within this retirement home or hell and why and why they are here. And that's part of Naomi's essentially that was what I thought was the whole point of the comic when I first read it was Naomi trying to figure out the mystery behind every single person's yeah. personal hell. Like I thought that that was like, you can easily, easily make a series out of that. Yeah. I mean, arguably you can make it almost like American horror story. I, you kind of could where each, every patient has their own little ta- uh, tale to tell. In fact, you can even do that at, in the anthology format. And the only common character in every new season is the Phantom Stranger. The Phantom Stranger. And I'm sorry, if you were to do something like this, it'd be gold, dude, you know, it'd be gold, gold. but it'd be the most messed up horror series you've ever seen. Yeah. Because from the get go, the first patient still has my skin crawling where her and Ash walk in the worms in her head. Yeah. And she was like, going, Oh, they're, they're, they're they're just, uh, fleas. We'll take care of those. And then she says, I don't know. They kind of look like maggots. And then you'd have that close up of the maggots all over her scalp. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's, it's so disturbing. Nice. But that's another clue into what we're seeing before it starts getting really bizarre. And and you start thinking, all right, something's not right here. We're not just yeah. in a regular run of the mill retirement home. There's something strange going on. If you know what to look for, uh, each patient is obviously guilty of something you can tell by what they're doing. And if you go back to Dante's Inferno and the different levels of hell, the different circles of hell, each circle is designated for certain sins. Yeah. Uh, There's one for gluttony. Gluttony. Uh, And you see a woman, the next patient is a woman who reportedly was found chained up next to her half eaten siblings. Because apparently they were chained up as a family. We don't know the whole backstory. And out of hunger, she ate her siblings. Her siblings. And she's constantly saying she's hungry. Dude, that was. It's, dude, it is dark. It's dark. And I can see how an executive 15 years ago, a TV executive or movie executive, oh, would have been, like, been crying. He would have like, no. kicked the writers out, like, what the fuck are you trying to pitch to me? I, I can't, I can't make this shit. You want me to get fired? <laughs> Nowadays, this could be made. Oh, absolutely. Because there are disturbing imagery in, since you brought it up, in, uh, American Horror American Story. Horror Story. Truly demented imagery, and that's on FX. So imagine if they wanted to go the distance in HBO. Oh, I would. You could have that. one of easily one of the best horror TV shows of all time. Oh, absolutely. Led by a DC character. Yep. This is why when I read material like this, Dave, this is this makes me get frustrated. Just a little tangent here and off topic. Why I get frustrated with Warner Brothers and DC from the movie side. You have so much content that's already written for you. And you're struggling to come up with ideas? <laughs> and you're giving us 75,000 more CW drivel? Hmm? Come on. 
so much greatness out there. There is. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of greatness, the artwork was pure horror. Oh, yeah. Harshly drawn characters, just so that we can notice the contrast between demons and our heroes. Dude, that cover art. Cover art still to this day is one of it's creepy it, as it's hell. It's so creepy, and you're taking this hero, the Phantom Stranger, and, and the cover basically just poses him as like this really imposing figure. When normally that's the hero shot, that's the hero. But when you take a look at the the cover, there's a girl just lying there the phantom stranger watching over her as like these disfigured people. It are like trying to claw at her through bars. Yeah. Pure vertigo gold. Yeah. That that's what vertigo was. The art's amazing. <laughs> yeah. The color choices within the actual pages themselves were really well done. The panels and sometimes with these older comics, the artwork doesn't always hold up. That's I think we can agree on that. However, with these Vertigo titles and even some of the earlier, right before Vertigo became a thing, uh, I believe, in fact, Books of Magic was a, was originally not a part of Vertigo. Yes. That artwork is fucking art. That's the only way I can say it. I mean, in, fact, in fact, I think I said that during our discussion on the Books of Magic, that every single page is brilliant. Yeah. And when you look at this, yes, it isn't as Neil Gaiman in 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 that fantastical sense. And it doesn't have to be because it doesn't need to be. It's a different type of story. But from the horror side, because this is part of the horror genre, it conveys the horrific in yeah. a way that I just didn't think they could in 1993. Again, I didn't read these types of comic books in 1993. I wasn't allowed to. And I, I know there were a few Doom Patrol uh, runs in the 80s that were pretty disturbing. Uh, and there were some Hellblazer as well and Swamp Thing, but not quite like this. And I'm not one of those people who love horror and gore for gore's sake. That there, there needs to be a reason. Like, I can get behind all the horror and gore you want to give me as long as there's a narrative reason why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing here just for shock value. All of it is designed to help propel the narrative and let the reader know what's happening without spelling it out for you. Yeah. And the artist, the artist behind this, Guy Davis, he's an absolute stud when it comes to horror, horror art because he's the same one that did Sandman Mystery Theater. But the biggest oh. one that just says why he gets this type of art and why he fits perfectly in this type of storytelling is his work that he did with dark horse comics with BPRD. He worked alongside Mike Magnola who does the Hellboy comics. And yes, I want to, I want to spell this out for people. Hellboy in the movies is comedy. Yes. Oh, come on. It's, it's they put it for comedy. Original Hellboy in the comics is Gothic horror. And Guy Davis, it, it, with his work in BPRD, did a fantastic job. You see that he, this is the type of storytelling he is made for, that he can do. I mean, he's done work also, I believe, in work in Judge Dredd, which that type of storytelling just matches this perfectly. <laughs> and then 
all the other work, I know he's done also other Vertigo uh, titles also. Besides uh, Sandman, I think he did Starman too. Mm-hmm. And then his art for this was a perfect choice for this because him uh, alongside uh, Alyssa's writing just made you immerse into the storytelling. Yeah, it's a shame that the powers that were in charge at that time didn't read this comic book and say, hey, Elisa, hey, uh, Guy Davis, don't you get any other contracts, no other commissions. We need you to do an ongoing story here. How did this not spawn into something bigger? Oh, yeah. It's a shame that this will be all but forgotten, honestly, in the in the bowels of comic books, in the grand scheme of things from 1993 to 2020, it's already been forgotten. And, and as the years go by, this comic book will just slip further and further into obscurity. And it's a fucking shame. It's a fucking be- shame because, because the comic is truly a work of art. The writer and the t- the writer and the artist here are absolutely in tune with each other. Yeah. And this is a really great example of a really well done comic. I mean, like just not to gush over Guy Davis's work. I actually just found this out just recently. He moved on to do things like Crimson Peak Strain and uh, Pacific Rim. All the concept art. Oh, I didn't know that. Designs. That's Guy Davis. And on an even funnier note, just to show how good he is, I guess he must have taken this as kind of like a challenge. He did Steven Universe. He was the guy who did the concept art and character design for Steven Universe. Oh, that's funny. And I'm like, going, that's totally different. <laughs> that that shows how much he's got diversity. He's got diversity. Di- diversity. Style, yeah. He's got range as an artist. And like, just like what you said, it's a shame that basically this is kind of like turning into a hidden gem listen i'll tell you something dave if i were ever to get you know hit up by dc like hey we want you to write a comic i'm like you know what thank you for asking um by the way i have a couple ideas i would like to bring back the phantom stranger uh that we witnessed in a one shot called vertical visions back in 1993 i'd like to continue that bad boy and then they'll probably scream and say, no, get the <laughs> no, fuck out of here. No, he has to be Judas Iscariot. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> well, Dan Dio already said, no, it's Judas Iscariot. I'm like, well, Dan Dio got fired, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> what if that's why he got fired? Wait, he's the one who recently got fired, right? I believe so. Yeah. Let me double check. What if it. that was the reason why? Like one of the DC heads was like, motherfucker turned Phantom Stranger to Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to fucking find it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch this motherfucker. He's going to get fired eventually. And finally, like 10 <laughs> years later, he finds a reason. <laughs> He's going to be fired eventually. Yeah, you're right. It is dead to deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> got fired. Take that Jesus scared idea <laughs> with you, buddy. <laughs> All right, so Vertigo Visions, let's talk a little bit about this one-shot series here. And yes, it is a series, but it's a series of one-shots. Yes. An irregular series of self-contained short stories featuring characters from the DC universe that were reinterpreted or recontextualized. Uh, So there's a few here that definitely pique my interest. Vertigo Visions, uh, The Geek. Vertigo Visions, Phantom Stranger. 
Vertical Visions, Dr. Occult. <laughs> that one's a good one. <laughs> we need to cover that one soon. And then Vertical Visions, Prez, Vertical Visions, Tomahawk, and Vertical Visions, Dr. 13, which is also going to be put on our list. So I think out of that list there, Dave, I think the more appropriate titles would be for this show would be Dr. Occult and Dr. 13, correct? Dr. 13, Dr. Occult, yes. Yeah. Apparently, Vertical Visions put out an artwork book called Artwork from the Cutting Edge of Comics. It was a 2000 collection from various Vertigo titles, and it came with commentary by Elisa Quitney. There you go. Wow. That was, what, 13, 2000? That was seven years after it was written, and now we're 20 years later. Jesus Christ, how much time has gone by? <laughs> Dave and especially with the vertigo vision some of the some of the art and writer teams in all the in the entire series they are like some of the at that time up and comers that you would not believe like Ed Brubaker was actually in charge of the prez and he and Ed Brubaker if people know is the one that started the whole Captain America resurgence do you, do you think the writers of of these titles think the new 52 was an abomination well actually I'd, didn't we t- say in the new 52 discussion for Constantine that one of the writers was crying openly about it saying that this is a shame he'll never be able to write the real Con- the Constantine. real Constantine yeah yeah so I mean if one person voiced you gotta think that they were like going, we all want to just make this sad but you know what Neil Gaiman's all what the fuck (laughs) Alan Moore (laughs) he drank a little extra that day (laughs) probably punched some babies he's praying to his snake god (laughs) all right Dave so I'm gonna give this a 95% on the RMD score solid no it's not a solid read it's an excellent read And if you're a fan of the darker side of DC or you're a fan of horror or you want to learn more about the Phantom Stranger, you will enjoy this read. But be warned. There's a lot of disturbing imagery. It's not for the faint of heart. No, but it is a fantastic read. It's very intelligent, which is how I prefer my comics, Dave. I prefer my comics written like this. Yes, I have a few guilty pleasures and I enjoy a few lighthearted series. And I do like DC Rebirth for the most part. I'm loving the new era of Justice League Dark overall. It's pretty effing great. And the whole Snyder thing that he's doing with Batman, I think it's good. It's brought some substance. That's the thing. It's kind of like the storytelling in comics can be very shallow. It can be very shallow. You know, hero comes in, saves the day. Hooray. But when you get like... How dare you, David? (laughs) When you get stories like this... It's and I want to get that across. People mis uh, misinterpret the fact that ev- all us Vertigo fans want sex, violence, and no, that's not the case. And not for gore, us, anyways, right? No, it's about having like a mature story being told to us that get, we can actually pull interpretations to us ourselves yeah. out of it. Like this particular one. As I said, I was a freshman when I first read this, and it really stuck with me to this day of how this particular comic, after all the comics I've read, still sticks with me about thinking about concepts about heaven and hell, God, abortion, 
uh, sins do it uh, actually, you know, like what you said, like the, the, the parallels of Dante's Inferno in a comic. Yeah, pretty great. <laughs> it's freaking fantastic. So what's your score you think? I am going to be nice because I don't want you to throw a screen at me. I am giving this 98. All right. Fanboy me is a hundred. <laughs> oh, I almost gave it a hundred, but there's a few things that there's a few things. Yeah. Like what my, my particular thing is the fact that it's called the phantom stranger, but we get like this tease of where the stranger is. And it's, right. it does get a little annoying where it's like, where is the phantom? Stranger? Well, you, you're like 30 <laughs> pages in before you're like, Oh, he's the phantom stranger. Yeah. I can understand as a fan, as a fan of the Phantom Stranger, you might be put off by that. Yes, you bring up a good point, Dave. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree because if you're dealing with a title called the Phantom Stranger, yes, then the Phantom Stranger should probably be a little more involved. involved. It, it, and yes, his presence was everywhere. Oh, well, yeah. From the very beginning. And that's Elisa's. I'm sure her justification and it works for this story and it works for a one shot. But if you're used to reading comics that Phantom stranger happens to be more front and center again, usually the supporting right Dave, but he's a little, he's more overt and obvious Then yes, you're going to go into this comic wondering where the fuck the Phantom stranger is at Naomi person. And even by the end of the comic, you're like, Oh, well he's been here the whole fucking time. Okay, cool. Yeah. But he was an old fat man. (laughs) awesome (laughs) all right so this does conclude our discussion on vertical visions the phantom stranger i want to thank everyone for listening please find us on itunes stitcher google play and spotify also help us stay on the air through 2020 by heading over to our patreon page and pledging a dollar or more a month and with that you'll gain access for two additional content depending on your tier of choice patreon.com slash rainman digital thank you david thank you my name is john constantine i'm the one who steps from the shadows all trench coat and arrogance i'll drive your demons away kick them in the bollocks and spit on them when they're down leaving only a nod and a wink and a wisecrack i'll walk my path alone because let's be honest be crazy enough to walk it with me.